Hello and welcome on in to the Internal Show. Episode, I think, 18. It is Wednesday, November 8th, 9.47 p.m. Eastern Time here in Miami. Um, it was an excellent week in Minnesota sports. We'll talk about the Vikings win. The improbable, impossible, incredible Vikings win. Talk about Josh Dobbs. And then uh, Timberwolves are really good, question mark? We'll talk, we'll get into it. Also, uh, a little bit of a, a little bit about the Twins cut and payroll, which maybe isn't so good. Um, but um, yeah, and then a post game. Interesting post game this week. I need to know that I'm not crazy about something. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. This show is presented by Loon State Sports. They're my bosses. I had to throw that in there because the bosses were getting mad that I forgot to throw it in there. Um, also, just FYI, it's at 9:47 as I said. Um, currently watching the end of the T Wolves game against the Pelicans. And um, they're killing them. And then also currently watching the uh, on the other screen, um, the Knicks and Spurs on uh, ESPN. Wemby just blocked a shot, but they're losing. Um, big Wemby fan, as I may have mentioned. Um, and that game will turn into the Warriors facing somebody, I think, in a couple minutes here, but whatever. Um, all right, let's get started. The Vikings. So the Vikings um, have won a game. Again, it's the fourth week in a row that I've said the Vikings won. Um, fifth week in our last six that the Vikings have won a game, going to its pod. Um, beat the Falcons this week, 31-28. to 28. Um... Obviously, well, obviously everybody kind of knows what happens at this point. If you don't listen to the spot and you don't know what happens, then it's probably not the pod for you. Um, I'll start by saying this might have been one of the more fun Vikings wins I can really remember. Obviously not maybe the top. The funnest, most fun Vikings win I've experienced was Minnesota Miracle, and it's not particularly close. Um Bill's win was fun last year, but I wasn't able to watch the game, unfortunately. Um, but I think this one is sneaky up there in terms of, like, just absolutely no expectations going in. Knew the Falcons weren't great, but just we thought we were starting Jaron Hall. We did start Jaron Hall. Um, really no expectations or hopes for how that was going to go. Um Really no hopes for the season in general. And then it started off okay. Jaron Hall moved the ball, but then got hurt. And then Josh Dobbs' first two plays sucked. First couple plays sucked, and then he completely balled out the rest of the game. And, um, yeah, it, it was just kind of fun. It was like, what's happening right now? It was kind of the talk of the Sunday as well. Be like, what did you guys see what Josh Dobbs does did? 
um, all over the national outlets and all this stuff. Um, so yeah, I don't know, uh, maybe get to the Jaron Hall thing in a bit, but I don't know if it can be like overstated how impressive the Josh Dobbs thing was, as you've heard in the media, I'm sure by now he didn't know the plays or didn't not know the plays, but he had like learned the plays in his head, but had never run them. Um, with live reps with any of his teammates, didn't really even know who many of his teammates were, um, got into the building three days before or something like that. Um, it was the exact same situation he had in Tennessee last year when they chose to start him over Malik Willis at the end of the year on three days in the building. Um, but this one went a lot better and <laughs> put up a bunch of numbies. No, I wouldn't say a bunch of numbies, but the team scored a bunch of points. Um, Threw a touchdown or two. Don't remember. Let me look at the exact numbers. The yards were pretty not that exciting, if I remember correctly. Threw for two touchdowns and scored one on his own on the on the ground. Um, ran for 66 yards, had 158 passing. Um, all that and a game-winning drive to, to seal it. Um, in almost the exact same situation that Kirk Cousins couldn't successfully do against the Chargers earlier. This year, uh, Josh Dobbs did against the Falcons this year. All this without knowing the place, which is just like, a, like un, un, incredible. Like, how do you even? He's being told in the huddle what dudes are doing on the routes, and then he's hitting those routes. Um, that throw to I believe is the right sideline. Uh, Jordan Addison on the on the sideline will tiptoe catch. Um, like a post, um, no, not a post, a corner, corner route, um, X is an old guy, um, hitting that type of throw when you don't really know the play is like insane. Um, and there were times you certainly were like, yeah, maybe he doesn't know what he's doing here, but made a lot of things happen with his legs, just kind of ran around and, and figured it out in like a kind of a schoolyard, just kind of figured out way. Um, but yeah, really, really impressive. I said, uh, last week that we were talking about Josh Dobbs after he'd just been brought in and all that. Um, he's a really smart guy. can learn a system fast. Um, and the issue is never going to be like whether he understands what's going on. It's whether his, talent is catching up to him or not but um i mean he looked like fast like there are a couple of the scrambles i think especially the scramble on fourth and whatever it was not fourth but third and whatever it was late on the right sideline before one of the touchdowns before i think the second to last touchdown um i don't know if exactly i'm referring to the right thing just now but there was one scramble, pretty big scramble in the game to get a first down where he sort of flushed out to the flat on the right side and there's a linebacker, somebody tries a leg tackle. I thought there was absolutely no way he was getting out of that. And then he ends up getting out of it, ends up leaping over a guy that was <laughs> blocked. Um, shout out Cam Akers to the block. People have been hyping that highlight up. Um, 
and ends up getting first down. I was like, there's no way he did just did that. There's just no way. Um, and there's a lot of that sort of in general going on where I was like, how is he getting out of this? How did that play happen? It just seems like we're fucked, we're fucked, we're fucked, we're fucked. Oh, wait, first down. We're fucked, we're fucked, we're fucked, we're fucked. Oh, wait, touchdown. Like, for 20 minutes straight, it seemed like that was happening. Um, also, it was very rare to see somebody who was having so much success, like, off schedule, off platform, just kind of running around and doing shit because that's the the exact opposite of what Kirk Cousins does. Um, And we've had Kirk Cousins for five years at this point. I don't even know if that's right, but um, where it's always been Kirk Cousins is fine when he has time in the pocket. Kirk Cousins is fine when he can stand in there and pick apart a defense. Josh Dobbs was running around bailing out (laughs) when he felt uncomfortable because he didn't even know the fucking plays. Um, And then just like, succeeding is very we haven't seen that type of quarterback in a um in a vikings jersey really since um i can't even remember the last one because teddy isn't really like that sam bradford certainly ain't like that i don't know Vikings really haven't had a mobile quarterback like there have been quarterbacks who can run but not like a off-platform makes shit happen. Low-key Brett Favre, because he did a little bit of that in a very different way. But, um, but yeah, that's not something we're used to having. Certainly not recently with Kirk in there. Um, all that is to say, talking about Josh Dobbs before we get into some of the other stuff. Um, just because Josh Dobbs was really, really good in this game, and I wouldn't even say he's really good. He was really, really good in the game, considering the circumstances. Um, that does not necessarily mean that under normal circumstances with a full week of preparation that all of a sudden he's going to be who Kirk was or a good quarterback or somebody who's really, really going to help us win. Um, I think he certainly deserves to start. He will start probably the rest of the year um, unless he struggles significantly. But there's a very big difference between coming off the bench when the defense didn't expect you to just hop in there and make some shit happen and have a couple of breaks go your way and you're smart enough to get through it. Um, there's a very big difference between that, having success in that type of way and having success in a had all week to prepare. Defense also had all week to prepare. Um, sort of actually knowing the playbook and making shit happen like when it's supposed to. It's very different. And... Um, Obviously, in some ways, this what he did this past week seems more difficult, but um, giving a defense a full week to prepare for a quarterback that physically isn't that gifted is a bigger advantage than it might seem. Um, but yeah, I mean, until that happens, until he starts sucking, if he starts sucking, Josh Dobbs is the king and... I think one of my notes was, would it be stupid to get a Josh Dobbs jersey? Um, Or would that be funny? Um, Yeah, that was one of my notes. I said, would it be funny to get a Josh Dobbs jersey? Um, All right, let's go see. um, Before the other notes. um, 
Jaron Hall. I was going to look up, like, what the injury status of my boy is. Um, I wasn't able to get the game on right away when it started. I was coming from somewhere. But correct me if I'm wrong. The man was moving the ball pretty well. Um, five or six for 78 yards and just, you know, got it going. Um, so if one drive, if that's what it was, um, is enough to go on. There it is. Um, you know, we got to the, down to the goal line. They didn't score touchdown, obviously, but one three not one um, extended drive. You know, there might be something there. Again, the sample size is still incredibly small for this kid, but um, we'll see. Let me check out the injury. I was gonna look this up. Let's see what we got. <clears throat> I know I compared Jaron Hall to uh, Zach Wilson on last week's um, on last week's pod because they both obviously went to BYU. Um, there haven't been many drives in Zach Wilson's career that he's gone five for six for seventy eight yards on. That and I know that was over two drives technically, but um, it based on the stats, what I'm seeing here is a pretty clean um, performance from Jaron Hall. Um, and obviously, like it doesn't mean anything because it was so short time. But maybe he's a different cat. I don't know. I wrote a note, Jaron Wales. So obviously, I thought that at the time too. Um, He's got a concussion. We knew that. Um, Dobbs to start knew that. This is not a helpful article so far. He's in protocol. Knew that. Um, all right. Well, it is what it is. I gave no new information. All right. He's got a concussion. He's in the protocol. We'll see. Um, I think as long as, well, I don't know. It's very difficult. It might be end up being a very difficult decision in three weeks or so. Um, so if Josh Dobbs is playing well and the team has a chance to make the playoffs, um, then like you probably keep rolling with Dobbs, but long-term, Jaron Hall would be the guy that you want to see what you have type of thing before the draft this year, so I don't know. Um it's going to be a difficult decision, and it really depends on how many games we win moving forward or not. Um, all right, let's go through some of the notes I haven't touched on yet. Um, I wrote, I called him getting injured. That's true, not to not to flex, but credit to me. Last week on this very podcast, I said there's we're absolutely going to see most of these guys play, talking about Jaron Hall. Josh Dobbs and um, Nick Mullins. We're absolutely going to see most of these guys play because it seems like backup quarterbacks always get injured as well. Um, and I think that happened. I feel no sort of joy, I guess, reporting that happened. But um, just what I mentioned back before, I get injured and one got injured and all of a sudden we were in a bit of a crisis scenario that ended up going great. But if Josh Dobbs also got injured, then we really didn't have a quarterback going. So... Um, <laughs> I wrote Dobbs on the run is low-key sick 
like he's got juice. X just electric note from me. Um, but yeah, I think I mentioned that really effective off platform, out of the pocket, off schedule, making shit happen, which we're not used to. Um, let me check in on KJ Osborne. He got just dummied over the middle, a bit of a hospital ball from our boy Josh there. Um, but yeah, let's check out how he's doing. Um, four hours ago. That's good. Sportsillustrated.com. There's still a thing. Um, shout out to Sports Illustrated. This podcast is presented by them. Are they a competitor? I don't even know. Um, he's listed as did not practice with concussions. So he's probably in a very similar situation to, um, Jaron. Well, let me see what is even said for Jaron. Jaron Hall did not practice concussion. Yeah, they're in the same spot. So we don't really know more until they practice. Um, but it could be a minute or two. Um, Got to stop fumbling the ball. But we've known that all year. Some of that was Josh Dobbs. Um, again, he saved the day, so I can't really criticize much of what he did. Um, <laughs> when, you get, when you get backed up into by your own offensive lineman, it's not a good look, but it's a little bit sort of forgiven when you had to like learn the offensive lineman's names on the sideline before you went in and you had to like run over the the um cadences with them so it's like whatever um he saved the day so everything's fine um really really big game this is a note i had for the seven seed um seven seed is completely up for grabs um in the nfc let me check out the standings real quick um the national football conference right now we're in it by the way we are the seventh seed in the nfc um let's think in the seventh seed maybe uh jj comes back actually jj will be out pretty soon he's got to be come back within 21 days because he was activated not activated um designated to return off ir this week so he'll be back within a couple of weeks at least, or at the very most. I'm talking too quick. My brain can't catch up. Um, right now at five and four, having won four games in a row, we are the seventh seed in the FC. Um, the football team or the commanders are four and five. Atlanta is four and five. And then a couple teams at three and five, including the Packers. And um, they stink. So that's fine. Um, but yeah, it's really wide open. One of probably us, Washington and Atlanta is winning that playoff spot at somewhere around 500 likely. Um, and that's because a couple teams are very, very bad in the FC. So a not that bad team or not that good team will get that playoff spot. Um, so having a head to head win against one of those teams that we played or that we are going to be competing for this spot against, um, is really just vitally important, not only in a tiebreaker sense, but because we won this game, they lost that game, and so we're now five and four, and they're now four and five. So that gives us a, you know, a whole game lead over them. Um, uh, 
I don't know if we play Washington. I don't think we do. Um, but we have to start. I kind of like Washington. I kind of like Sam Howell. They're just kind of like, ooh, Washington. They're usually not good, and they're kind of interesting. Um, but, no, we got uh, to cheer hard against them because they're seventh seed material, and we really want to be that seventh seed. So, um, let me see. We don't play them. Also, by the way, the division is not, like, out of reach. And I, I know I called uh, Loon Schmidt stupid a couple weeks ago for saying the division wasn't out of reach. But um, it very much isn't uh, because I think we're only, like, a game and a half back of Detroit they're six and two, we're five and four. Yeah, that's a game and a half. Is that how that works? Don't really know. Um, and we play them twice. So if we win both those games, then you know that that lead's gone right there. Um, I wouldn't say I think it's gonna happen because also I do still think they're a better football team than we are. And at the end of the day, you have to be a good football team to win the kind of games where I'm hoping we're winning. But um, yeah. This was a huge game, midseason. No, first of all, knowing who you are, but second of all, just in a real cut and dry, like does the math make sense? Way like this was a really good win. I don't know the playoff percentage and how much it increased or not, but um, really good win to have. Some other notes: good day from Hawkinson. Numbers weren't huge, but it made a lot of good. Um, Short clutch catches, first down catches, stuff like that. Um, I wrote too much time for Josh. That was a call, a prediction, and I was right about that. So shout out to me. A um, couple, like two things here that are kind of related. Um, we've suddenly become a team that knows how to win football games. And was this like Kevin O'Connell doesn't have control that the team shits going sideways? We're a bunch of losers. It's his fault. Was that all just, like, dumb? Because, first of all, the way that Kevin O'Connell injuries... And we're one of the most injured teams in football right now in terms of star players not being able to play. Like, number one quarterback is obviously a huge hit, and it's the rest of the season hit. And then best wide receiver in football is also a huge hit. Um, And so... And we've also lost... You know, our number two wide receiver now, too. Or I guess number three, but now he's the number two wide receiver. Um, KJ Osborne. So, um, for a bunch of that game. So, all of the injuries aside, which obviously we've been hit pretty hard. The turnaround from 0-3 to 5-4 and 4 is a very impressive turnaround. If you even take out all the adversity that we've also had to overcome. Throw that back in and it's like... Just a really, really impressive coaching job. Also, walking Josh Dobbs, obviously Josh Dobbs is a smart dude to work with, but walking anybody through the situation that he did in this last game, getting all the calls in on time, not having some of the issues that we had in the beginning of the season, but also the offensive work really efficiently and moving the ball against what was a top 10 defense. is just like maybe Kevin O'Connell is really, really good after all. And I don't even people are talking, but maybe the some of that issues was Kirk Cousins stuff. I don't know. I don't know. 
Um, also, I told the boys <laughs> I would discuss, is the team better without Justin Jefferson on the pod? Um, that type of thing is very silly and always wrong. And so it's definitely not true. But I think there's something to be said with to the there's something to be said about the fact that like the team not having to force it to Justin Jefferson might be a good thing. But I also think they've figured things out in terms of how much they're running or not running in the past few weeks that are is very different than what they were doing the first couple of weeks when it wasn't going well. The first couple of weeks it felt like we're running the ball, we're running the ball. Oh, we're going to throw to Justin Jefferson four times in a row and nobody else. And then we're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Um, now it feels like we're passing the ball more proactively and just more often in general. Um, mixing it around a lot more, obviously, out of necessity. But I don't think adding Justin Jefferson back into what we're doing right now would make the team worse. So um, team is not better without Justin Jefferson, but we happen to be playing a lot better since he's gone out think it it is what it is um sometimes things happen um now if he starts coming back in and the offense starts sucking again we got to start asking questions because i don't know well we also lost quarterback so we'll see um but yeah suddenly become a team that knows how to win games the offensive system has now worked with the completely new quarterback that's barely learned it and Kevin O'Connell was basically doing half of it himself, just like telling telling him how things are going to go. Um, the last, well, the last four weeks in general, but specifically this past week has given me a lot more belief in who our head coach is, and that's it's a good thing because um, you want to have the right guy at that spot. Um, and if we are picking out a quarterback next year, you want to have the right guy at that spot picking, making that choice. Um, team over 500, worth noting, 5-4. and four. Um, Saw the stat, I believe. Saw the stat earlier. Um, don't exactly remember. I think it was... Minneapolis slash Minnesota sports is the only city since the beginning of 2022 where all four major teams are above 500. So the Twins have obviously been above 500. I would say even just a little, just kind of barely since 2022. Um, the Wolves barely. The Vikings significantly, but most of that was last year and kind of fluky, whatever. And then the wild were good last year. So, um, we talk about how shitty Minnesota sports is, and obviously we haven't had the playoff success to match that at all, but we're cheering for winning teams pretty much across the board. Um, so, you know, it could be worse. I think Chicago and oh, there was one other, um, had every team losing might've been Denver. No, fucking not Denver. Jesus Christ, the Nuggets won the title. Um, God, I don't remember. It was a Jay Kuda stat, I believe. Just an electric follow on x.com. Um, I also saw this little, a little X about um, Ivan Pace Jr. has been really, really good. Um, 
I think we could go along a little bit longer about Ivan Pace Jr., but I don't think it needs to happen at this juncture in time. Um, if he was 6'4 instead of 5'10, I think he's a third round pick instead of undrafted, and this makes a lot more sense. But, you know, a little short, a little short king, little missile just fires in there, gets after the quarterback in a way that isn't necessarily expected from a middle linebacker, but he's been really good. Um, I have to take a massive shit right now. It is falling out of me. So um, I'm going to do that, pause this recording, and then um, get back to it with the rest of the games from the rest of the league. All right, I'm back. Great shit. Um, and the Wolves have won now, by the way. Big win. Pelicans aren't that good, but <clears throat> good teams to be bad teams, as we said. Um, that brings the Wolves to 5-2, and two, maybe. She beat the Bulls, beat the Nugs, beat the Jazz, beat the Celtics, beat the... Um, Pelicans. So yeah, five and two. Um, but yeah, NFL season. Um, well, I'm getting the games up really good, really good. Um, like fun week in the NFL. Not a lot of, you know, you look at it into it being like, oh, okay, well, Loki, there's no good quarterbacks playing, so it'll hurt. Like we got a couple really ugly kind of backups coming in. Um, so we'll see not a lot of maybe marquee matchups, but um, really fun fun games across the board. Um, Vikings game was obviously fun, and a couple others as well. Um, start with Thursday night, though. Steelers at or Steelers beat the Titans twenty to sixteen. I know. First of all, this is just what the Steelers do. do. It's been sort of said at this point they're a bad team that wins bad games, and unless you're a good team, you won't you won't beat them. Um, I know that Will Levis played well his first game. I said on this podcast that he looked really good. They should go with him the rest of the year. Um, I didn't watch Thursday night, but I was told like even more so that Will Levis is like a winner and like really good, and he's the guy in um Tennessee after this Thursday night game and um again didn't watch the game but I don't from where I'm sitting looking at the stats I don't see what would back that up the team scored 16 points 262 yards is all right it's pretty good I guess it's pretty good but um didn't have any touchdowns through pick eh I don't know I guess, like, you're still seeing what you want to see. But I feel like on X.com, there's, like, an overwhelming Will Levis is good now thing, which is, like, I don't know about all that. Like, they lost to a Steelers team that isn't really good and put up 20 points. Like, maybe pump the brakes. Um, Deontay Johnson caught a touchdown. That's new. Hasn't happened in literal years. Um, yeah, I think we know who the Steelers are. They're going to lose every bad or every good team they play. And then they're going to, like, win the ugliest game of all time against um, all the bad teams they play. And I guess they beat the Ravens, who are, like, one of the best teams in football right now, maybe. So um, that little just beat them ugly and score 20 points in a win formula has been working for them. Um, 
Dolphins at Chiefs, boringest score of all time, 21 to 14. That's like as standard as you get as far as NFL scores go. Three touchdowns to two. Um, and three extra points with those touchdowns to two extra points with those touchdowns. Um, Travis Kelsey did nothing in this game, which personally upset me, but um, Mahomes himself was basically did nothing in this game, though, too. He's under 200 yards, had two touchdowns. Really, really, like, pedestrian performance from both offenses, um, which maybe that was the international and it's weird thing, or maybe, I mean, I can't say the defense is pretty good, but... Um, Miami's isn't that great. Um, I guess Jalen Ramsey's back. That helps that out a little bit. But um, there seems to be a bit of a pattern forming where defenses focus on Travis Kelsey and then the offense without... the Travis Kelsey and, and um, Patrick Mahomes' connection is so electric that it completely elevates this offense. So if you just focus on Travis Kelsey kind of take him away, take away that middle of the field sort of pocket, sit sitting in the pocket, finding the space in the zone type of thing. If you just take that away and focus on only that, then Mahomes has to throw to like real receivers running real routes on the outside, and it's just not as electric because he doesn't have rapport with those receivers as much, and those receivers just aren't as talented in general. Um, still find a way to win the game. Still threw two touchdowns to those receivers. But um, seems to be a strategy the teams have been really kind of keying in on. Um, Chiefs are helped out by because the defense are really is really good. Um, they're one of the best teams in the in football in the AFC in general. Um, and I think until you beat them, you can't really say that you're much of anything. Um, and certainly the playoffs will that will sort of be found out. Um, as far as the Dolphins, they've now lost three games to three good teams that they've played. Um, <clears throat> they just feel to me a little bit like the Oregon Ducks of, let's say, 10 years ago now. Um, super dynamic, super fun offense. Everybody's really fast. Everything's really fun and cool and fresh. Chip Kelly plays are happening, 70 plays a game type of shit. Um, and then every time they played Stanford or Utah, they'd lose. That just feels like what's super fun and fast. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, fast running backs. Mike McDaniel, Tua throwing long touchdowns, even though his arm isn't that great. Um, and then they play a good team or a physical team or a team that knows how to win, and then all of a sudden... You know, they're not, like, the offense, where to go. Um, but, yeah, so until they beat somebody that does that, that's sort of how I'm going to view them. But we'll see. They're a fun team. Being in Miami, it's kind of fun to have the Dolphins be good because they're usually not. Um, all right. The Ravens beat the Seahawks by 34. Um when was this game on? I feel like I just missed on the red zone a bunch because, I mean, I watched the entire slate in the red zone, but um, 
this game was so like lopsided that it didn't show up any times other than the touchdowns. Um, the Ravens are really, really good. The Seahawks were supposed to be, and maybe it's because they're playing the NFC, and the NFC is much worse this year. But the Seahawks were supposed to be something, a little interesting, frisky, pretty good maybe. They were five and two. Um, they're not in the same class as the Ravens, and the Ravens might be the best team in football. If we can call this game against the Seahawks any kind of statement win, I think it is when you win by 34. Um, but that's a huge statement, and I'm now very impressed by the Ravens, and we'll see. Um, their defense is really, really good, and they have a special player on offense, and those two things just by themselves will take you very far, um, especially if that special player is the quarterback. Um I'm not saying the entire offense is great or perfect or if I'd really trust Gus Edwards in the playoffs type shit, but, um, or Keaton Mitchell or whoever it is now. Um, don't know if I love their receivers, all this stuff, but the really good defense and special quarterback will get you a long way. And they right now have maybe the fewest obvious flaws of anybody in the league. Um, Cardinals lost to the Browns 27 to rip. Clayton Toon started at quarterback. This is a game where, yeah, the quarterback was, the situation was just kind of ugly and um, first time starter. He, well, this is the thing because I know Jaron Hall only had one drive and then got hurt and is still hurt. But he looked better than Clayton Toon did. And so, like, obviously, it's, you can't say much because it's a small sample size and whatever. But, like, you can say something. He didn't completely fucking suck. And so there might be something there. Because a lot of quarterbacks in the first game, especially if they're not super high drafted in the names you know going into the draft, when they come into the game, they super fucking suck. And Jaron Hall didn't super fucking suck. So, like, maybe there's something there. That's all I'm saying. Um, I don't want to say any more than that. But Clayton Hoon got a whole game for the Cardinals. And, again, the Cardinals' offense is... Not good. The Cardinals' roster is not good. But Clayton Toon was super fucking shitty the entire game. 58 yards passing. Two picks. 11 for 20. That's my birthday. Coming up. 25. Big big 2-5. Anyway. Um, yeah, he super fucking sucked. And, and um, yeah, that's pretty much all there is to that game. Sean was back. He played height. Whatever. Um, all right. Now to the next super fun game that happened. I know that sounded sarcastic. It wasn't. This game was fun as shit. Houston 39. Tampa Bay 37. Talk about somebody who super fucking sucked. The exact opposite of that was C.J. Stroud. Potentially the best rookie performance for a quarterback in the history of the National Football League. Um, <clears throat> I don't have the stats off the top of my head, but they've been floating around this week since the game. You know, most yards ever by a rookie, something like that. Most only time a rookie's ever had over 400 yards and five touchdowns without a pick or something like that. The, I mean, it's just like literally like a 10 out of 10 A-plus performance at the quarterback position for a guy in his eighth start Um, on a team that was dog shit last year. It was very, very impressive. 470 yards. Five tuds, 
No picks. I mean, you can't have 41 fantasy points or something like that. Um, for your boy, picked him up a couple weeks ago. Been rolling with him. Did not work last week. Did definitely work this week. Um, though I didn't need it to beat Loon Schmidt's dog shit team. Um, Tank Dell was sick again. Six catches for 114 yards and two tuds. Noah Brown was sick. Um, the Texans are really fun. And they probably won't make the playoffs just because they're in the AFC. But they have the guy at quarterback, which is just huge. I've been talking about CJ Stroud all year. I don't want a victory lap because I've already done that a bunch. And it's starting to become like, oh, everybody likes CJ Stroud now. Um, but the Texans in general are super fun. They have the quarterback. They have, like, fun, skilled position players. They don't seem to be making this really stupid sort of front office decisions that the Texans have made in the past. Um and they're not like so good right now that they're gonna not not gonna get a top fifteen twenty pick in the draft. So keep add, adding to it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, this game was super fun too. Thirty seven, thirty nine, thirty seven. Uh, game winning drive with like fifty seconds left on the clock for CJ just. Just like the stuff of dreams in the witching hour. Um, I didn't. I was sort of got lost a little bit because um, the Vikings were having their little witching hour, like comeback, crazy, improbable thing happening at the exact same time. So it wasn't paying a ton of attention to the red zone at that exact moment. But, um, but yeah, I think it was something like. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Yeah, with 40 seconds left, or the, okay, so the the Bucks scored a touchdown with 46 seconds left on the clock, so they kicked off with 46 seconds left. From there, C.J. Stroud to Dalton Schultz for 14 yards, called a timeout. C.J. Stroud to Dalton Schultz for 6 yards, called a timeout. C.J. Stroud to Noah Brown for 14 yards. C.J. Stroud spiked the ball. C.J. Stroud... Fifth, CJ Stroud to Tank Dell for 26, got out of bounds. CJ Stroud to Tank Dell for 15 yards, touchdown. Just, just like chunk, 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 touchdown. And that's exactly, I mean, that's how you draw it up. And they did that all game. They didn't have a kicker in this game. That was another fun, little interesting moment. Dario Goombawale. Had what ended up being a very important field goal for them um, in what was a two-point game. They needed that field goal. Uh, he's a running back, by the way, not a kicker because um, the kicker got injured. I think it's Kaimi Fairbairn still. Um, but, yeah, they were running, <laughs> running two-point conversions all the second half because they um, didn't have a kicker, and then they, like, kneeled the ball on a two-point conversion to – to like win victory formation on a two point conversion after they scored the game winning touchdown is wild. Haven't seen that before, but um, yeah, just a really fun game, really fun player in CJ Stroud. Um, fun.
fun team. Probably not going to make playoffs, but they don't really need to. They already feel like ahead of schedule. Um, Bears Saints, I don't care. It's depressing. I've probably said that about every Bears and every Saints game this year, but they that's just kind of how it is. Um, Packers beat the Rams 20-3. to Both teams are really bad, so we're not going to do the whole, like, Jordan Love is good thing just because they won a game. Um, Aaron Jones was big again. <laughs> they uh, handed the ball a bunch of times, and they won the football game, and he played well. He's probably their best offensive player. Um, and now that he's back in sort of full workload, played really well. Um, turn level wasn't horrible. 20-26, 228 yards and a touchdown. Kind of did what he needed to. Very game manager vibes. But, um, yeah, I mean, I you're not going to get a lot of flowers for beating the Rams with Brett Rippon at quarterback, you know. And scoring 20 points only against that Rams defense is just like a... Like, sick, dude. Good win. Proud of you. You're now 3-5. and five. Um, It's very fun, the Packers being bad and just not having to worry about them. It's very fun. Because even when they had Aaron Rodgers, even in the years where they were bad, you were always like, they're going to figure it out and come back and be annoying. Like, even last year, when it was, like, possible that they were going to make the playoffs after sucking initially and the Lions kept them out of it, like, that was... Like, that was too stressful. Like, I don't have to worry about the Packers this year, like, at all, which is great. Um, but, yeah, and Jordan Love sucks. So, like, they don't have a lot of hope for the future because they don't have the guy right now. And then it's like, oh, do we keep him or do we draft another guy? And it's like, oh, probably should draft another guy, but hopefully they don't. Uh, Commanders Patriots. I had one note from this game. Sam Howell is low-key sick. Like, I, I know he's not that efficient, and I know, like, he's fine. Like, he had a huge game last week, and it wasn't that great of a game this week against a shitty team. But some of the throws he makes are like, what the fuck was that? And, I, and I, like, that's cool. Like, Sam Howell's cool. He makes cool throws. There's a, like, the throw to, I believe, was Jahan Dotson just, just reach back and huck it deep down there, and he, Got on the end of it. It was, it was a good big throw, big play, big touchdown. And then there was one on the sideline. I don't even remember who it was to, but it was pretty sick. That was just what came up on the red zone. I wasn't obviously watching the game intently, but um, that was cool. Also, before I go too far, um, the Texans ran this, like, handoff option that went back to C.J. Stroud. Where it was like, it was like a regular read option. And it might have even been a read option, but, like... C.J. Stroud was two of the three options where they did the mesh point with the running back, either hand it or pull it, handed it, running back bounces, C.J. Stroud, I believe it was designed because it seemed like he ran right there, C.J. Stroud runs to the wide side of the running back, running back gets sort of tackled as he's getting tackled, he flips it to C.J. Stroud who ends up getting 10 yards, that was cool. I don't know if to what extent that was all designed. I think it was designed. I don't know if the Stroud thing, keeping the ball and running up the middle for himself was ever an option. But if it was and he was two-thirds of a triple option, that's fucking sick. Um, anyway, not an ex noise guy, but that was cool. Um, 
But yeah, Sam Howell's low-key money. And I don't know if he's that efficient again. I don't know what kind of game he had. Let me look. But just what I saw from, uh, I mean, 324 yards, 325 yards, sorry, and a touchdown. So, you know, not 29 to 45 isn't the most efficient anybody's ever been, but um, it's not bad either. Um, want to see him punch in the end zone a few more times. Feel too many field goals for the boys if you're uh, more than you'd prefer, I guess, if you're a Commanders fan. But, um, but yeah. Uh, somehow, like some of the throws he makes are fucking sick. I'm not gonna lie. Um, next game, the pitches still suck, but. Everybody knew that. Colts, Panthers, don't really care. Um, Bryce Young is not is actually not good. I think we're at the point where, like, we should have seen something right by now. There's just, like, a some, there's just something that you have when you can, like, handle an NFL game. And you may not even be the most talented, but you can, like, Brock Purdy is not a talented NFL quarterback, but he can handle an NFL game. And you can be very talented, have all the college tape be like number, and like you just don't know until you don't know that you can't handle an NFL game. And um, one of the huge things from Stroud this year is that he looks in the huddle like a pro. He looks like a star. He looks like, I'm not going to say he looks like Patrick Mahomes, but like he looks like a guy of that caliber just like taking care of business, even if he isn't that point in terms of like the refinement yet. Um, especially this week, you just watch him and you're like, you'd watch him drop back and, and cock his arm back. And you're like, this is going 30 yards for a first down, you know? Um, and that's the type of thing that Bryce Young is doing the opposite. He's jittery. He's running all over the place, throwing picks, um, looking unsettled, uncomfortable and, that's the first round pick, and now you're fucked if he doesn't fix it soon. Um, Giants Raiders. Um, this is a big. Uh, we fired, we fired the intern or fired the um, head coach. Everybody hates, and now we play a good game. Um, and that happened. I did notice they like they're still running everything away from Devonte Adams. They run like a little like levels play, like a boot right. With crossing, or like, I don't remember the fucking names. Like a, like a boot right, and there's options middle, like short, middle, and deep, all on the same side of the field. And there's like one guy running a post on the left side of the field on the weak side. That has been fucking Devontae Adams on the one guy over there by himself, like every single time that happens. Um, just like there were a couple plays that came across the red zone <clears throat> with the Raiders where I was like, every single time Devontae Adams is not near the ball um, or near where the play is designed to go. And I'm just like, well, this fucking sucks as a fantasy owner. Um, uh, Goose Pugs has tried to trade for him a thousand times this year, and I'm not going to get rid of him because I know that when I get rid of him, he'll start playing well. But anyway, I'm 5-4. I'm so back. Whatever. Um, 
Cowboys and Eagles, I, to be honest, I have no idea what happened. I, people have been talking about this game a ton. I have actually no idea what happened um, in this game. The Cowboys were, like, going to win, and then they, like, didn't. Is, like, the vibe that I've been getting from what I've seen. Um, but... Like, they choked, but I have legitimately, I do not know what happened. Um, so, I can't really comment. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think the Eagles are good. That's all I'm like, I'm like whatever. Um, I wasn't able to watch, like, I think any of the night games this week. Cowboys and Eagles wasn't a night game, but it was ending late where I had things I had to be doing. I was working all day Sunday, but I work for this, like, professional choir. I don't even sing for them, but I, like, do concert. Like, I, like, move shit around for them, basically. And on Sunday, I was working, like, the entire time, but they didn't have anything for me to do, so I was literally just watching Red Zone and the Vikings game, um, <laughs> while I was being paid. So I got paid like 20 bucks an hour to play football or to watch football. But I was driving home at the end of this game, at the end of all the late games. So I didn't really know what happened in a lot of them. Um, and then I didn't watch the night games cause I think I was eating dinner or something and then just went to bed. Um, but the Bengals beat the Bills in the Demar Hamlin rematch. Oh my God! The Bengals are um, all the way back. I think I said they were all the way back last week, but they're all the way, all the way back now. Where they're Joe Burrow looks completely like himself. He's throwing for big, big numbers again. Um, I think three forty-eight this week. Josh Allen still doesn't look completely right. Um, Still, the offense isn't clicking. Let me just, like, I feel like the Bills haven't scored a large number of points, like, since the Dolphins game. Let me see. Like, 18 this week, 24 last week against the Bucks, 25 against the Patriots in a loss, 14 against the Giants, 20 against the Jaguars, 48 against the Dolphins. Like, 29 is a good... Come on, just kidding. They don't have 29. Because Patriots had 29 that week. Like, 25 doesn't suck, but in a loss to the Patriots, it does suck. Um, 24 against the Bucks, you know, I guess. But, like, the week before that, the three weeks, week, weeks two through five, two through four this week, or this year, 48 against the Dolphins, 37 against the Commanders, 38 against the Raiders. The type of bills that we're expecting, like low twenties, isn't the bills you thought you're getting at the beginning of this year. Um, it's certainly not like fourteen against the Giants. Certainly not losing to the Patriots. Certainly not eighteen against the Bengals, and what should have been a shootout. Um, there's something up there, and I think we have to like. I think if I'm the Bills, like we have to tell Josh Allen he sucks for a while because like maybe he's not the problem, but. He's playing like he doesn't suck. Well, he's playing like he's really, really good and better than everybody else, and and it's not working. So um, 
I think we have to be like, hey, Josh Allen, like, you're not good. Like, I hear interviews with Josh Allen and, like, press conferences and him talking to people, and it's just all like, yeah, I'm working on some things, but, like, I'm good. Or you're like, like, oh, like, we'll always have these things to, like, fix. Definitely got to do better there, blah, 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 blah. But, like, it's not even that he's good and he's making a few mistakes. It's that, like, he's just not really that good this year. I don't know. Maybe this doesn't make any sense, but that is, that's my take on the Josh Allen. Um, hey, let me see. Oh my God, I lost it. I lost it. I lost the games. We're back. Um, Chargers beat the Jets. Somebody take Zach Wilson off my television screen. Um, I... Um, the only point here is that Zach Wilson has fallen behind Mac Jones in the who's the worst quarterback in the AFC East um, race. So he's now behind Mac Jones, which he still might be the worst quarterback in the league other than Jordan Love. Um, those are the games. I'm going to take a quick water break. Um, yeah. I don't know who it's presented by. I don't care. All right. college football grade for the week um i watched college football in a restaurant for two hours so is it like sat down watch listen to the volume no but you know two hours of college football i was trying to pay attention you know not the worst Ole miss and a&m um and texas and k-state um were the games on at the time? Sheesh. And then I watched a little bit of Colorado, Oregon State while I was in bed. Um, I think Colorado stinks now. And that Dion has, like, sort of, like, lost his mind. Or, well, I think even when they were good and I, like, wanted to believe that they were good and cool and interesting, I think it was even, like, concerning even then. But they're, like, really bad now. So, um... It's not that Oregon State's bad. I know they're good and DJU and all that other shit. But um, yeah, I think Colorado is just. I'm I'm kind of I'm done. I'm kind of, I can be done with them. Um, big win from Alabama over LSU. I'm not gonna pretend like I know or watch the game, but I think that just sort of speaks to the fact that this year I feel like. Like, the playoff scenario is going to be very interesting. Like, I right now there's, like, five-ish teams that you're like, that team can win, or six-ish teams, you're like, that team could win the title, or at least, like, have a go at a big playoff um, sort of run. Not that any run can be that huge when there's only two games, but obviously Ohio State... Um, 
Michigan, if they're actually for real and not just cheating, um, Georgia and Alabama, the SEC, look like they can be playoff or definitely going to be playoff teams, could be national title teams. Um, obviously, whether Alabama makes the playoff it comes down to whether they beat Georgia probably in the SEC title game, which if they do, then like, you know, they're right there. And, you know, we've ruled them out all year, but they're right there. Um like, what are the other teams? Florida State is still undefeated. Um, do they play Miami soon? I should look into that. We play them this week. What if we What if we spoiled their life? Even though we're not that good anymore. What if we spoiled it? That'd be sick. That'd be fun. Um, lost a fucking NC State. That sucks. Oh, oh my god. <clears throat> I think Texas like is still low key in the title conversation, aren't they? Or in the uh, playoff conversation? USC's out. Caleb Williams cried. But yeah, I guess my point is there's a like it feels like there's more teams that are in the mix that actually have a chance. Um, and there's more confusion about who the best team is and who's maybe the favorite and all that shit than there has been in past few years. And maybe that's just because Georgia's been, like, running shit for a couple years now. Before that, it was Clemson. Before that, it was Alabama. But it feels like this year there's a lot of, like, options where you can see a couple different things happening. There isn't that group of five team or that sort of surprising power five team that is going to come and spoil the playoffs. But, like, I'm talking TCU Cincinnati. That's not happening this year. But a lot of, like, big chip, big high-profile um, programs that are all kind of circling and in the mix for um, playoff spots. And that's kind of fun because, like, the games that those teams play then are, like, fun to watch. Not that I'm watching them. But uh, anyway, I give myself, by the way, for this week, I give myself a D plus, maybe a C minus in my college football watching grade. Um, we'll try to do better, but I promise I won't. I have to sing at a wedding, like, all day Saturday. Getting paid a lot of money to do it, though, so whatever. Um, 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 um. All right. <laughs> I wrote down this note, still in the college football section, um, about the Michigan thing. Connor Stanley's got fired, right? Or, like, parted ways, whatever. Bullshit to say that he didn't actually get fired. Um, <coughs> the note is that how I kind of want to, I like, I feel like he was low-key living the dream. Like, I kind of want to be Connor Stallions, or I kind of want to have been Connor Stallions. Because, like, you get to, like, pretend you're a spy and, like, do this espionage shit, but you're not actually breaking any, like, real U.S. laws, or, like, you're not actually in any real danger. Like, you get to, like... If you watch a James Bond movie, you're like, wow, it'd be, like, sick to do those things and, like, sneak around and, like, find information about people and whatever. Like, that would be fun. But, like, you also might die. And that shit would suck. Connor Stallions was, like, doing reconnaissance missions and, like, finding out information and, and keeping secrets and, and spreading, um, you know, information classified information that people didn't know he had or he wasn't supposed to have. He was doing all that shit. And he 
like, the worst case scenario is that he gets fired. And then he just doesn't do it anymore. Like, how, like, there's no consequences for him being sneaky and being a spy, basically. So you just get to be a spy without it being dangerous. And I feel like that's kind of the dream. Like, and I, when I, like, fucking wake up at 3 a.m., like, when I used to do this, when I wake up at 3 a.m. to pick up a guy off, off the free agency instead of paying for him in waivers, like, that, like, to me, feels like I'm being a spy. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm doing what everybody else does. I'm working in the silence, in the dark, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm like, I'm talking about fantasy football here, by the way. Um, when I printed out the cheat sheets to bring to the draft so that everybody would use the cheat sheet that I practiced with, I thought I was like sneaky and like 300 IQ play. So like that's all it takes. It doesn't take much for me to like be like, oh, I want that. Um, so Connor Stallings be able to like have that be his job where he just like runs around and spies on teams and the worst case scenario is that he gets fired. Like that kind of rocks and I kind of, I'm kind of jealous. Anyway, <laughs> that's enough college football. <clears throat> um, the Wolves are who we're going to talk about next and they are a really good basketball team that full stop the game against the Hawks was weird a week ago kind of kind of put up a dud in the, in the opener two weeks ago now whatever it is um, they are the number one defensive team in the league um, Anthony Edwards has progressed clearly put in a lot of work on the offseason he's playing really really well right now um, I watched most of the game and certainly all of the end of the game against the Celtics um, and that was a, that was a Matchup of number one defense in the league being the Wolves and the number one offensive league in the league being the Celtics. Um, looked really good against who were, I mean, the Celtics were undefeated. We beat them. Um, the defense clearly sort of put their imprint on the game. I don't have the score in front of me, but I think it was like around 100 points at for each team going into overtime, which is well, well below um, where the Celtics were scoring all year and about what the Wolves have been scoring for most of the year. Um, or about what the Wolves have been keeping teams to for most of the year. Um, Anthony Edwards had 38 and was fucking remarkable in overtime. There's, there's a moment where he had a 7-0 run by himself as a part of a 9-0 run for the Wolves that basically ended up winning them the game. So it's had a little bit of a spurt at the end, but, um, there was, there was a moment like within the game where like Anthony Edwards like grew up in front of our eyes, like, and it was like five minutes of real time where it happened, where at the end of, at the end of regulation, he ISOed on the, right wing little jab little jab and then takes a contested three and missed it and that was like would have been like to win the game buzzer beater type shit um and you're like okay well he's doing the thing where he thinks he's the big star and he thinks he's got a 
fucking make the big shot to win the game and maybe he does have to make the big shot to win the game but he thinks it's got to be that shot and it just wasn't that shot and that's something that i watched i used to watch a lot of celtics i used to watch a lot of celtics games that's something that jason tatum did all the time he'd take the same damn shot from the left wing and he used to miss it all the time and these days he makes it every time like he these days that's one of his like that's his shot and he makes it all the fucking time In, in front of my very eyes, I saw Anthony Edwards miss that shot. And then in overtime, take over the game and make those type of shots. And stop Jason Tatum from taking his money shot. Money shot's probably a bad phrase. It's known as something very different in a different uh, form of entertainment. But, <laughs> and stop Jason Tatum's like signature shot all at the same time as part of a 7-0 run by himself where he just took over the game. Um, by the way, the last bucket and then that little run, they sent like three dudes at him. He twirled in between all of them, did a little spin move, and like as he's still turning around, throws it up with one hand, a little floater thing. Fucking incredible. Just a sick fucking bucket. Um, yeah. And the defense was good. Like, it'd be one thing if, like, the Celtics dominated all game. Game was played sort of on their terms, and then Anthony Edwards went ballistic and ended up winning it. Um, but no, like, we kept them to about the same amount of points that we've been keeping everybody else to, and this was the best offense in the league. Um, and a team that plays five out, everybody shoots threes, and we were playing with three bigs at times. Like, and we kept up. And shut them down similarly. Obviously scored a little bit more than some of the other teams. But similarly to the way that we've been handling other teams in the league. Um, and when it came down to net cutting time, it's a very, very experienced playoff team. team that's been in the finals in the past two years. Um, with a pretty consensus top seven player in the league. Anthony Edwards was a better player. And made them more shots down the stretch and we won the game. Um, just a really sick win. And, um, pumped the Jazz a couple nights before that, pumped the Pelicans tonight. Um, not maybe a ton to say about those teams other than, like, the Wolves are just clearly better than that caliber of teams, which they really weren't last year. They really weren't pumping the Pelicans easily, you know? Um, but yeah. A really fun team. Somebody ranked them. I saw somebody. Uh, let me think who it was. I don't know if it'll come to me. Nick Wright or something. Some some uh, well-known sports dude. Oh, it's Bill Simmons. That's who it is. Um, Bill Simmons watched a lot of ball, and he ranked the Timberwolves as the fifth best team in the league right now. Now, they're doing this thing. Media outlets are going to do this thing where it's like, oh, the Timberwolves are good. Like, we're going to talk about them, and I'm going to act like I'm the first person that ever fucking learned about them. Um just to like be like, oh, I know ball, I know the Timberwolves are good. Like that's what all the national basketball people are gonna talk about for the next like two weeks or so. Um, so that's gonna be happening, but that doesn't necessarily change the fact that the Timberwolves are very, very good. Um, at least right now they're very, very good, and this team has been shown sort of a propensity to be up and down at times, but right now they're very, very good. Um, 
Ant said something after the Hawks game that I didn't think much of at the time, but he said I have to take more something to the effect of I have to take more responsibility in being in charge of how this team like handles the up and downs within a game. That's the type of thing that happens. Like the Hawks game was a crazy yo-yo from being up by 20 to losing by 20. And so like obviously your star player is going to say that type of thing after that game. But the way that Ant responded when he things went badly in the success game, when he missed a couple shots to let the game go to overtime and to take the Celtics punch in overtime and respond with a fucking huge scoring spurt of his own, that's exactly the type of shit that we're talking about or that he was talking about in terms of taking control of that type of thing. And that's all I've been sort of asking from Ant and from this team for the past um, like year or so um, since the playoffs, not this last year, but in 2021, I guess it was. Um, it's kind of all I've been asking. So if that continues, that's really exciting. Also on Ant, um, the Portland Trailblazers are calling Anthony Simons Ant. Like, no, that's not, that's not a thing. Anthony Simons is Amph. Also, like, Anthony Simons was supposed to be, like, really good or whatever. And I think he's, like, the same age as Ant and, like, so not as good as him. Anyway. Also, while we're still on basketball, I think I like the in-season tournament. But I don't really, this pod is already long as fuck. I don't really want to go into it. Um... The courts are weird, but, like, I think it's kind of fun. Like, I'm more likely to watch a random in-season tournament game than a not, than a random not in-season tournament game. So, I guess that's whatever it is. Take that for what it, what it is. Um, I think that's it for the Wolves. They're really good. Um, they just got to be consistent. And if they can be consistent at the level they're playing right now and stay healthy, then... Oh, I didn't mention that. Rudy Gobert is playing really, really well. Um, and so is Jaden McDaniels. And those two guys really have been... Along with Ant, who's been good defensively as well. Those two guys have really been in sort of control of like how good this team has been, been defensively. McDaniels on the wing, and then Rudy just sort of running shit in the paint. Um yeah, it's been fun. It's been cool. The big thing, the two bigs thing works a whole lot better when you're dominating defensively. It just does. Because then offense, you don't need quite as much. But Rudy's just more involved in the game when he's playing really well defensively anyway. So it's working in a way that hasn't worked yet, really. Um, anyway, um, the Twins are cutting payroll. Which is the news, kind of. Um, came out the past, like, two days or whatever that Derek Falvey said that the Twins are cutting payroll. Um, according to all the loser <laughs> Twins people on Twitter that I follow, um, I'm not supposed to be mad about this. Um, or, like... I've seen, like, three different people who all just, like, say the same shit because they have no original thoughts. 
and the only thing they think about the twins, but they actually don't have any original thoughts about the twins. I've seen like three different people being like, if you didn't expect them to cut payroll this year, then you weren't paying attention. I was like, well, okay, maybe I wasn't, but you also probably weren't because you just took that from the other guy that said the exact same shit. Um, well, I, I guess, I, I guess I've been instructed by the non-casuals of the Twins Twitter to, who are all losers, to um, to not be upset about this. So I guess I won't be upset about it because that would make me casual. But um, it'd be kind of fucking lame if we were worse because we didn't have a good team next year because we didn't spend money on it. That'd be that'd be fucking lame because I think this core of Twins people with a just a couple extra bats and maybe replace Sonny Gray would be kind of sick. That's all I'm saying. Whatever. Post game time. Um, so I had a moment where I thought I was fucking going crazy, but I don't think it was me. Um, so I'm gonna need some feedback on whether I was going crazy or not. Um, so I was after Sunday night after working at this concert gig thing I was doing, um, where I basically got paid 20 bucks an hour to watch football. Um, we, uh, like the staff went out to dinner at Flanagan's, which if you don't know, South Florida is like, a it's a very popular, like, um, seafood restaurant, but they also have ribs. It's just like a lot of food for not that much money. And it's all like really greasy, but all really good. So it kind of whales. Um, but I didn't want to drink. I don't really drink anymore unless I'm drinking, drinking. Um, and I didn't want like a soda. So I ordered a chocolate milk with dinner, which like, if you want to criticize me for being 25 years old, almost and ordering a chocolate milk with dinner, that's fine. That's not what this is about. Um, when I said I wanted a chocolate milk, the waitress asked me, do you want ice in it? Which like, who the fuck puts ice in chocolate milk? I was like, why this is this even a question? I obviously don't want ice in a chocolate milk. Like that's, that, that'd be stupid. I was like, no, definitely do not want ice in chocolate milk. Cause like it's water and milk. That's fucking like, what the hell are we doing? Um, so she's like, okay. And then I get my chocolate milk later. And like, what do I see but ice in my chocolate milk? So it's not only the, like, I've never even heard of ice and chocolate milk before. Like, I don't think that's a thing. Like, I, I might be the crazy one, but I don't think that's a thing. So I'd never heard of ice and chocolate milk before. Then I get asked to have ice and chocolate milk. I very clearly say no. And then there's ice and chocolate milk in my chocolate milk as if that's like the standard thing and they forgot to remove it. Like, in what world is ice in your chocolate milk a standard thing? Or is that girl deaf and thinks that I said I did want it in there? But she asked the question in the first place, so it was obviously, like, an option. But, like, why would it ever be an option? Who would ever want ice in their chocolate milk? It's just, like, watering down. It's, like, mixing milk and water. It's fucking disgusting. So I, like, literally took my fork out. Again, this is with, like people that I work with, like my bosses at this job that I like just got, like I'm new at this job and like I'm eating with my bosses. I got my fork out and I fished all the 
like I used my fork to like get all the ice cubes out of the chocolate milk and like put it in my salad in the middle <laughs> in the middle of the table. They're just like chocolate covered ice in my Caesar salad at the middle of the table in front of my bosses. So I was like, don't look at me. It's fine. Um, but like, what am I supposed to do? Drink chocolate milk with ice in it? It's fucking insane. It's fucking insane. Anyway, that's the post game. Chocolate emoji. Peace.